Today I'm talking about my top five books, books that I wish I had read 20 years ago. And yeah, let's get it started. I'm, I'm John. I am one half of the Hardscape Nerds. Amanda is not here today. And I know you're wondering why Hardscape? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's because we scape so hard. So now we're now we're on to talking here. So number one book. Uh, sorry. Apologize about this. All right. So number one book is Getting Things Done by David Allen, and this book here is something that it it's a, a bit of a misnomer. It's not getting. It, I can't say it's a misnomer. It's it's not getting more things done. It's just how to, how to, the, the subtitle really helps. The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words today. But this book really helps you stay stress-free when you're not really sure what to do. The, the number one thing, my number one takeaway from this book is you can, you can only feel good about what you're doing when you know what you're not doing. So, that it's a this is a concept of writing everything down as soon as something hits your brain you're writing making a note setting it aside and you are putting it in a place that that a collected trusted system uh, or a trusted collected collecting system and you're putting it in there and gathering it in at a, at a later time when you're functioning properly because uh, we're not we're not functioning at 100 percent all the time like I am right now but it, it helps you to to gather all the, your information together and then you set aside a focus uh, uh, an amount of focus time during the week you have to schedule it in that's important and you have to stick to it otherwise the system falls apart and you go through your projects list and what is a project a project because a lot of times we will write down things like get tires and you don't really get tires. You, you have to make a phone call to talk to the representative wherever you're going to get tires. If, if you, you might have to get down, get the number first to actually find out what shop you're going to go to. So that, that really matters and you have to boil things down to your next action. So that's, that's very important that Moving forward, you always say, what's the next action on this? You can't just leave a meeting, leave anything, and not really, not really be sure about what's happening and, and specifically what's the next action because you, you, you can only do actions. You can't do, uh, you can't do anything else than that. So and it's, the next action is what is the next physical, visible step that you can take to, to moving this project forward. So it's a very kind of a brief bad description of the book, but I strongly recommend it for, this is for any field. This is not, this is just any, 
any business owner, you don't even have to be a business owner, just anybody who basically does anything outside of just going to work and coming home. But even then, it'll help you become more organized and just it helps you fight the feelings of procrastination. And because a lot of times procrastination is simply because we don't know exactly what we should be doing. So that is huge with that regard. So book one down. Okay, this next one is the E-Myth Revisited. Uh, There's the actual E-Myth original version, which is the same exact version as this, only it doesn't have the the extra story uh, to add to add on to this. I, I would recommend this one as opposed to the original. But this this is this book is if I were to describe it in a word, it would be systems. This is about collecting and just organizing the things that you you already do. Something that was a big problem for us is we wanted to figure out systems and we, we kept talking about systems and you know you hear that in so many business books. The problem is what's a system? And I had someone in a in a mastermind group say that a, a system's just basically what you're already doing and you just write it down. That's and you're just keeping it so it's standardized. You can change it. The system's not finite to where this is it, it's set in stone and it's never changed. The, the idea is you write something down, you test it out and you improve it. You don't, it, it should not be static. So it's, it's always something to keep, keep, uh, keep moving on, but you, you do want to do it. One of the things that we struggle with that I think just about everybody struggles with is you want to, you have to, you have to keep it standard. So if every single time a person calls your business, sometimes they're getting a happy person on the phone, sometimes a miserable person, sometimes the phone doesn't, no one answers the phone. Wh- whatever it is, you have to be consistent and you, you really want to work as hard as you can to make it the best possible experience. But what you don't want to do is give them a superstar experience one week and then the next time they call, maybe the next year or something, it's lousy. Then the time after that, it's okay. and they, they don't know what to get and you're, you're stealing, if you give them the great experience first, you're stealing that, that in subsequent visits every single time you're, you're stealing that from them. And that's just, that's not fair and that's not a good way to run a business. And I'm sure you can think about different companies, different places you went to and said, man, that was so great the first time I went. And then you just, you go back and wasn't very good. The, after that and it's what what happened and it's a lot of times it's because they didn't have any sort of system so that's they, they didn't have any documented process for anything uh, a lot of times you deal with this where uh, in a lot of small you're dealing with vendors you're going to small places getting your block or whatever and if the owner's not there the whole order's never right and so that's that's Give, give them this book that you want to, you want to, you, you don't want to be that business. You don't want the entire thing to rely on the owner. That's number one in, in any business. That's actually the detriment of, of knowing 
most entrepreneurs, we we don't we don't choose to get into the business. We usually work for somebody else and then say, you know what, I could do this better than than where I'm at now. So then we give it a try. But we're not business owners. We have to learn that. That's that's huge. We have to learn that. But we we're technicians, and as Michael Gerber says, we are technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure, and that that pretty adequately describes it that's that's what we need to be focusing on is is built bringing ourselves out of the business a bit one one big thing about this book is if you read it and it's the first time you ever read it you're going to feel like you need to take off the next three months and focus just on systems and systems well mike mccallowitz we'll get to one of his books later he met Michael Gerber in person and this was a huge piece of advice for me and he he said that uh, Mike Michalowicz said the problem I have with the e-myth is people think it's a light switch where it's just on or off and but in reality it should be like a throttle where you're you're pressing it you know as needed and that's a that's a very good I would I would totally agree with that criticism of this book I had the same feeling to where I just I thought it was just let's go and you kind of forsake the working in the business if you're a small business you can't just take yourself out so don't be foolish and just start missing work and because you're working on the business so that that's a, a big uh, misconception that seems to be pretty true and yeah so those are the big things with this one so the e-myth revisited by Michael Gerber and uh, yeah, this is a this is a business classic. Up next, this is a very good one. This this explains to somebody who doesn't understand accounting, understand numbers in very practical terms. This is the book uh, Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits from Greg Crabtree. He he goes through and, and explains just fundamental principles from he's a farmer not a not an accountant not a, a giant uh he didn't grow up in a, in a corporate structure or anything like that so i think that helps that his his explanations are very very down to earth and that this has helped me understand finances better than anything and when you are running a business you absolutely have to understand finances. You absolutely have to understand accounting. You don't have to like it. You can still hire somebody to do it. You absolutely have to take an accounting class if you don't know how to balance your books. It is it's the number one thing in your business that will determine success or failure. If you don't understand the numbers, like everyone understands you can add and subtract, but if you don't understand the numbers in your business and what profit really is, and that that's you're gonna fail if you don't understand that. So I challenge you to online online uh, your local community college. They usually have online courses. One of the best decisions I ever made was I took accounting, and it was something I absolutely despised and hated, and I didn't understand it at all, and I took it. And turned it into something to where my accountant says I'm one of his most sound clients to where I, I understand it. I don't feel that way. I don't feel comfortable with it. I still don't. 
after 20 years, but you, you have to understand it. And that's where I made the mistake of, I didn't try and learn that until, oh man, probably over 10 years, 15 years into owning a business. That was a huge mistake, huge mistake. And that's, that's something that, that should have completely been started over to do it the other way. Start, you learn the finances. Uh, even if you're going to work for somebody else, you still, you still want to understand it. You still want to understand profit and loss statements. That thing's huge. It, if you're working for somebody else, you still need to know how money's generated. It, it sounds simple, but a lot of people think if, if I'm a worker and I make $27 an hour, what, then in my mind, I, I might think that that's all that I cost the company. But we need to know exactly what does that, the, that worker actually cost. He costs a lot more than $27 an hour to the company. So that's, we have to make sure that we're adequately charging for that so that we're not going broke with every, every job that we do. So that's a one in here, uh, a phrase from in here that a lot of times these businesses, they grow broke. They, they think they're growing and they're, <clears throat> they're not profitable, but they keep trying to grow and, and they just run out of cash. So you have to, you have to pay attention to that. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, lines from here is like I said he's from a from down on the farm so you can have milk every day or you can have one barbecue so that's about selling the business or keeping it because a lot of people with a lot of these books are build it to sell it and you know that's that's the philosophy but why would you get rid of your cash cow if you build your business properly it should be bringing you in revenue as, as an owner so it's foolish to, to build to sell Unless there's some reason uh, taking you out of it, I I I don't see a reason to to build the cell. That to me seems a little bit silly, and so that's the that's his argument against it. Also, so you can have milk every day, or you can have one barbecue. That's that's a pretty good one to me. All right. Next, we have profit first. I don't think there's any book that has helped us understand or that has helped us actually turn a profit better than this book right here. I struggle with the word profit and thinking I, for years, I thought it was like a, a bad word. Uh, I know a lot of people don't struggle with that. I always did. I felt it was wrong to make money. I, I, I don't know why I have some issue with it. And this, this made me understand the, the, the reason for it. For one, we need to we, we need to have profit. Even nonprofit operations need a profit. If they make zero profit at a nonprofit, they will be out of they they will be defunct. You have to have profit. If you don't have profit, you you're gonna go under. You're gonna it's gonna be terrible. And yeah, you don't want to mess with that. What this book does is it it's let me finish this. Uh, Profit first from Mike Michalowicz. What what he he does in this concept, the concept of this book is, we are a society of finish your plate. You're, we were always told to finish your plate. It's not good to to waste your food. So we took that same mentality as people that we were kind of instilled from us from our parents and our grandparents to clean our plate. We do that with spending without realizing it. 
when we have $1,000 in the bank, there's an urge to spend $1,000. It's very tough to not spend that money. You know, the phrase burning a hole in your pocket. That, that it's very difficult to not spend that. What this is doing is the concept of basically use smaller plates. So instead of just having one bank account where all of your stuff is lumped in, you're actually creating five bank accounts where you have separate separate accounts. And you it's a little bit more work, not a lot, and you, you create five different bank accounts or how many ever you want, but they're for a specific purpose and that way all of your money is not lumped in. So you don't have $20,000. It looks like you have $20,000 in the bank, once you, but you don't. Once you start breaking that stuff down, you're gonna realize that, okay, this is for bills that have already been paid and, it, and some of this is for client deposits and you absolutely never, never, never want to spend a client deposit for a job that you're doing now. This, if there's one piece of advice I can ever give to anybody, you never want to spend money from a client deposit from a job that you just signed today. You never want to spend that before you start that job. That is borrowing money with your client's money. That is a terrible, you're, you're on the verge of going out of business. If that's your business practice, you will be going out of business soon. It, it's, you might be able to last for two more years. If, if you do, it's a miracle. You do not want to be borrowing money from your customers. It, it's, a, it's a terrible thing because then what happens is you start getting desperate and you start undercharging because you need the cash flow and you, basically you start giving stuff away and then each job you do, you're losing more profit on and you're ending up just sinking further and further. Basically, you're digging yourself a hole that eventually you just can't get out of. Never, never do that. So that is, that's one of the biggest things that we do is we have client deposits, account. We don't touch that. We set that money aside until we start that job or if we, if we started accruing expenses for it, like we paid for block in advance or whatever, then, and we're writing checks, then we can move the money over. But other than that, if we only use money for each customer's job and that's it. So that is, to me, the biggest thing that helped us is now it's all separate. I see it right there. We renamed the account in QuickBooks. We renamed it in, in uh, our banking software. It says client deposits. I know that that's not my money. It is not my money. It's not, I can't use it to pay for block. I can't use it to pay for, for my truck payment. It's not my money. Until we actually do that job, it's, it's not mine. So that's, that's huge. So one of the biggest things about this is with, with the profit with us or with the, with the book itself, we took 10, you start taking a percentage of profit and what you do is you start hiding it from yourself. You make it small enough when you start. I recommend just doing it at 1%, start up a second account at another bank and you just start transferring 1% of every dollar that comes in. And then what happens is you eventually will start having profit accrue. And, but you're not supposed to use that for other stuff. That's profit is not really for anything else other than 
technically the owners. So you have to be very careful you don't say you're reinvesting it back. That's a very dangerous thing too. Uh, sometimes you want to do that, that's fine, but it's just you have to know where that's coming from. But most most landscapers, hardscapers, we are the second most failed industry next to restaurants. We really have to pay attention. Lack of profitability is the number one thing that messes with our, our uh, that runs people out of business. So it's not knowing how to price jobs prop, prop, properly is the main reason, but it, that, that leads to a lack of profits. What this does is you're hiding that money from yourself, so you'll start using less money. If you had less money in the bank, you would figure out how to, how to become more efficient. And I will tell you, this system works 100%. It, we started moving money away, and we, you ratcheted up a little bit at a time, and we've been increasing our, our profitability from that. And what we set aside as our profit percentage coincidentally looks exactly what it, it shows on our P&L for the, for the end of the year. The P&L is a profit and loss statement. You have to understand what that is. Uh, if you don't, you have to learn. Reach out. We'll, I'll gladly teach you. Um, yeah, so it's, you want to make sure that, that, the, the, that you have a profit at the, at the end of the year. If you're not making a profit, you're, you're going to be in serious trouble. Another tip when you're when talking about profit, you're not profitable if you're not paying yourself a wage. If you're the owner, you're the sole proprietor, maybe there's there's two of you in the field or something and there's nothing wrong with that. That's we're not big either. The if you're not paying yourself the same to work in the field that you would be paying another worker, you can't call that profit. That is absolutely not profit. That's that's basically you're stealing from yourself. You're stealing from your family. So you have to pay attention to that. So you have to know, and you do need some profit. Otherwise, you will never be able to grow the business because that's how you that's how you grow. So there's I could go on for this, but uh, yeah. So I, I think I covered everything with this. So I could do a whole episode just on this book. So yeah, this one. This one's pretty good. Um, and then this is super thorough. This is How to Price Landscape and Irrigation Projects by Jim Houston, James R. Houston. Uh, he's a consultant consultant in the industry. He, he uh, you know, I'm holding this one down a little lower. It's, it's a pretty heavy book. This is a full-on textbook. He, he, toured around the the country with Vanderkoy. That's how I believe he got his start. So he is quite familiar with with landscape estimating uh, processes. He's been in the industry for a really long time. He's a very good consultant, and we've been. He's helped train us with a lot of to, to understand a lot of the things that we know now. I would strongly recommend if you're in the green industry, landscape, hardscape that you, you buy this book. This, this is well worth the investment. Um, I, I, that's the number one thing that we do is we don't want to spend any money. Oh, we'll figure it out or I don't, I don't need that book. I, I believe you do. I, I, I believe everybody, everybody should have this. If you're, 
if you're going to an ICPI, NCMA, you know, now they're combined. If you're going and spending money for a course for installation, you absolutely need this for the business owner 100%. So it's, I think it's like $150 for the book, it, a fraction of what it, what you're going to get out of it. So yeah, this is something that I, I wish I would have bought and, and read a lot sooner. This is something that, that, and then we bought it and we didn't, I didn't actually read it for a while. And so shame on me. And I can't believe how much stuff is in here and how simple it is broken down. It's, it's, they're very small lessons. Each one, there's, I don't know, there's like 50, 55 lessons in here, but they're, they're very bite-sized to where you can go through one a week and really just have a much better grasp on your business. So yeah, this, this is something I, I do not believe you should be without. And for, for comparison's sake, a lot of people talk about uh, Charles Vanderkoy. This is his book. So you can see how, how much thinner this is. There's not as much information in here. This, if you're starting out, and even if you're in the industry, this is way thicker. There's way more information in here. It's more detailed. Jim's a, a very detailed guy. And I would absolutely, absolutely recommend this book. So this this is the number one thing. I kind of did these in order of, of importance that I feel that I wish I would have read earlier, uh, much earlier in my career. So if, if I would have known this stuff 20 years earlier, oh man, <laughs> we'd be in a lot better shape. So can't go back the next next best thing i can do is is uh try and help help other people so this whole podcast this whole everything we're doing here it's to help myself 20 years ago so that's what i'm doing i'm sharing all the things that that i wish i would have known 20 years ago so here's here's another bonus book this is uh the bible it it, this is in particular the book of proverbs i just i find that there's a lot of a lot of good information just it's kind of something you can almost skim and there's a lot of a lot of sound wisdom in there about business surprisingly so i thought that was interesting uh zig ziglar talks about reading the bible the red letter version you know where the words of christ are in red and he he talks about just how that's one of the best sales books you can have so i thought that was interesting uh, I've never really read it through with that focus, but uh, that's just that's his, his take on it, and he was a pretty good salesman. So, okay, yeah. So we're at. Let's see. So, Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Thank you both for listening. Be sure to share this with your in-laws, your outlaws. That friend who doesn't appreciate personal space, they sure won't bother you anymore.